Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hey, mamacita. Welcome to the Mamas con Ganas podcast. Epa, no seas malpensada. That's mamas as in, hey, mama. Y todas las semanas te traemos episodios para que tengas las ganas de motivarte, surgir y triunfar. Aquí se habla Spanglish. Don't be a mama con drama. Let's be mamas con ganas. I'm your host, Valentina Izarra. In today's episode of Mamas con Ganas, I'm interviewing Connie Tang, president and CEO of Princess House. Our mission with the Mamas con Ganas podcast is to bring you inspiring Latina stories. Although today's guest is not Latina, she has been described as Latinarific. That's right, more on that later. Statistics show that only 6% of CEOs are women. And today's guest, Connie, is not only female, but she's also an immigrant who speaks English, Cantonese, and drum roll please, you guessed it, Spanish. Recently, she published a bilingual book in which she shares the secrets of her success. Believe me when I say that we can all learn something from this dynamic and empowered mamacita. Thank you, Connie, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much, Valentina. I'm so excited to be here with you. And I love the title of Mama Gonganas. Yes, Fantastic. yes. We are out there to rule the world. Absolutely. Absolutely, Connie. I love that. Um, Connie, just so that our listeners uh, get to know you a little bit better, can you tell them where you're from, what your background is, and where you grew up? Sure. Well, I was born in Hong Kong. I am an immigrant. And we came, uh, my parents and I came to the United States, to New York City when I was 10 months old. So aside from the fact that I do still speak Chinese, I grew up in New York City and in the U.S. And I grew up in El Barrio. Really, we were the only family who was not Hispanic, Dominican, Cuban, Puerto Rican, African American. We were La Familia Chinita. Mira aquí viene Connie, La Chinita. Everybody knew me that way as little Connie, the Chinese girl. And that's where I grew up for the first eight years of my life in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. So you and became Latina, Latinified, I guess. I did, I did. And it's funny because that's where I, I started to learn my Spanish. You know, everybody worked. Nobody, stay at home mom was a really new concept and everyone in my family worked. And somebody said to my parents, my parents needed somebody to take care of me. And they said, oh, you know what? The woman upstairs doesn't work. Maybe you should ask if she'll take care of your daughter. And so my parents knocked on her door and my father was the only one who spoke some English. And the woman who answered didn't speak English. She was from La Republica Dominicana. One of her kids translated for my father. Okay. And agreed. She was a stay-at-home mom and they agreed she was going to take care of me. And I was two. And so at two years old, at 7.30 in the morning, my parents would leave for work. I would go upstairs with my bag of canned food, like my no-frills uh, spaghettios and my soup. That was my lunch. <laughs> and 
she took care of me from the time I was two until I started elementary school. And then after I started elementary school, one of her kids usually would walk me back and I would stay with her until my parents came home at about 7.30 at night. And she didn't speak anything but Spanish. So I had to learn Spanish. I remember pointing at things and she would say, flor, leche, naranja. And that's how I learned. And you that's know, at two years old, you're learning to speak anyway. And yes, so that's we're how sponges at that age. Exactly. And that's how we began. I will say it also began for me a life of learning to adapt into different situations. At eight years old, my parents saved enough money to buy their first home. And in fact, the only home they've ever owned for 40 years. Wow. They moved to Brooklyn. And we moved into an all-white, Irish, Catholic, American neighborhood. Still the only Chinese people in the neighborhood. <laughs> you went from being one minority to the next. One of two Chinese kids in the entire elementary school. So everybody still knew who we were, but very different. A completely different environment. Lifestyle, obviously religion, background, everything was very different. So I would say the biggest benefit for that, little would I know later on as an adult, that that helped me develop the skills of how to adapt, right? And how to... I wouldn't necessarily to to really assimilate to different environments, which later on in my career um, helped. So that's the very, very beginnings of how I got started. And from there, I ended up finding myself through career and by life choice, going from New York to, I call it a layover in Texas, North Texas for 14 <laughs> years. And now... Uh, technically stationed in California, but I have a bi-coastal career, which takes me from the East Coast to the West Coast. And everywhere in between, I ended up really building, very fortunately, a career in developing global markets and domestic market segments. So I had a, an amazing opportunity to develop a career working and providing opportunities for women and a few good men and a few good men like be entrepreneurs and start their own businesses yes. all around the world. Well, you can say that then your like childhood really set you up in order to be able to do all that. And you really are, you know, a very, you went from, um, I mean, Hong Kong, born in Hong Kong and being placed in all these different environments is really a blessing. I always say that when you're able to surround yourself and be the only one, let's say like the black sheep in the group, you learn so much and it opens your mind and you end up becoming sort of like an international citizen, I say. You know, you're absolutely right because if people ask me, what do I, how do I consider, what do I consider myself? I, I've always thought of myself as a global citizen. Global citizen. I, I really do believe I'm a, 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 I'm part of the global and world, um, world society and the world, world community versus just a Californian, just a New Yorker, just a Texan, right? Mm -hmm. It really takes it to a much bigger space. And I think the great fortune of that is that it also forces me, not in a bad way, but it compels me, is maybe a better word, to learn and to adapt and to seek to understand cultures, um, preferences, and archaeology, anthropology, be human behavior, all of that makes us, I think, better contributors to the world. At the end of the day, Absolutely. what I get is what I give back. I really yes. believe in that. And I can only give better quality if, if, if I learn more and I know more. 
Amazing. Yes. And well, because of all your knowledge, and it's great because we were now we're here to talk about your book. You wrote a yep. book, and it's actually a bilingual book. Can yes. you tell us, like, where did this idea come from to, to make your book, uh, Fearless Living, an actual bilingual book? Because it's not many books that are, you know, that are bilingual. And that was for sure on purpose. Um, Fearless Living, Eight Life-Changing Values for Breakthrough Success was a book that I wrote last year. And the idea for the book, I have to say, I can't take credit for. I was talking to a business consultant who was working with my company at Prince's house trying to work on strategic development. And one night we were at dinner and he said, you know, I know who you are. I know what you've done. I know your professional background. Kind of tell me your story. So here over dinner, I'm telling him my story. And he had this funny look in his face and he said, you know, you should write a book. I said, oh, you know, maybe when I retire, I'm thinking I'm going to write like the Joy Luck Club. <laughs> yes. Did you have a seed planted already? Like when he said that, had you ever thought, I think one day I'm going to write a book? Yes, I did. I always thought I would write a book about the experiences of the immigrant experience, a woman's experience, the experience of having to build a career from very modest means. I've always had the thought of it, but I actually thought it was going to be something I would do when I'm not working anymore, you know, something I would do in my spare time. But when he planted the seed for me, he said two, two things that were really important. He said, he said, Connie, he said, you've, you've been able to do so much that number one, books go where you don't go and books stay longer than you do. Absolutely. It's a legacy. Think about the number of people that you could actually touch and help, the duplicative, duplicative you know, impact you could have that you couldn't possibly physically even reach. And you know, he said, you've got so many life lessons that could be shared globally, regardless of what you know, personality or profile the reader could be, that really would be something that would be about giving back to the world. So that's how the idea came about. And when he, you know, I'm, I think I was a little uncomfortable because I felt like it was going to be writing about me. And he said, it's not writing about you. It's writing about the lessons you've learned and giving back. He said, you can, books stay longer than you do. Absolutely. And, I'll tell you, you know? something. I have had books that have changed my life. And actually my favorite books are precisely books like yours, which are like self-help because, um, you know, I went through a very dark period of my life where I was going through a divorce and I was kind of, kind of going through, I mean, my, my um, followers know this. I was going through a, a depression, as you may mm. call it. And books actually saved me. They, awesome. they, there were other women who had written books that I can literally say, I go back to those books when I need, you know, reference or help or motivation. You can go back to a book, you can underline things and you can learn from other people's experiences in a way that is very different from even having a conversation because you can go back to it over and over again and you can use and you can read it as slow as you like or as fast as you like. So books are definitely a legacy. Um, I want to ask you, because your book is called Fearless Living, what does that mean for you? What does fearless living mean for you? And it's interesting. Is it possible to have a fearless life? <laughs> you know, and it's so funny. It's interesting because fearless living for me actually doesn't mean that you live without fear. I think there's fear in every day of our lives. Some fears are real traumas. Phob Some are pho phobias, right? Phobias, a fear of yes. snakes and a fear of flying. Those are phobias. I think there are fears of failure. 
that are that manifests itself in a lot of different ways. And I think that fear is a constant. However, what I'm really trying to promote is how do you live with fear? How do you overcome paralyzing effects of fear? Yes, the paralyzing. It is. It's about the, the physical paralyzation that fear, which is imaginary, right? It is. It's all here, has on you physically and emotionally. And it's really about learning how to harness that fear, how to overcome fearful situations, and also employ tactics that help you get through it so you're stronger each time. I'm not saying that there is a, there is a possibility. Maybe there is. I know I haven't found it, but maybe there is a possibility to live completely fearless. I think there are moments that evoke fear. The key is how do you utilize tools? How do you build skills? that you can deploy, you know, you can deploy when you're faced with situations that are, are that are cause fear. So fearless living for me is about living a life that is um, one that is fulfilled, one that is enabled because you've worked on yourself to develop the skills to overcome situations that cause fear so that you can not only get through them, but come out not only as a survivor, surviving, Honestly, it's not very enlightening. Yes. You want to come through it triumphant. Triumphant. I love it. Through it. You really want to come through something that is scary, stronger than you were before you started. Yes. I'm really using fear as a catalyst, like you, like, like you say, to transform your life and not just make it okay and come out the other end like you survive, but to really use it as a shift to make your life even more remarkable than it was before you went through Exactly. That. I mean, for families, I can tell you for, for us as a immigrant family, just making it is exhausting, right? So who wants to just get through it? Yes. You nobody. want to not only blow through it, but you want to come out stronger, taller, higher, better. And I think that's the difference. Nobody wants to just hang on by a thread. Yeah, you're hanging on. Everybody wants to really have a different level of success and overcoming challenges or fears. And fears are real. They start here, but they manifest themselves into physical forms, right? Yes, absolutely. Like you said, into paralyzing us Mm -hmm. from doing even the things that we want most to accomplish in life. Exactly. And they're huge barriers. And those are things, and here's the other thing. Fear is something you can work on. You don't need money to overcome fear. (laughs) You don't need, quite frankly, a PhD to overcome fear. You don't need the best shoes or the most expensive house or the best car. You don't need any of that. You don't need to speak seven languages. You need you, me, myself, and I. You need that and you need a commitment to yourself to overcome it. And when you do, great things can happen. Absolutely. And you actually, you know, you outline eight things that you can really do right? To break through to success, eight values. That's Can you right. talk a little bit about the eight values that you outline in your book and, and, you know, what are those things that actually help you overcome that fear? Sure. The eight values that I outline are actually broken up into three categories. And I think okay. if you think about them this way, it'll help you sort of organize it in your brain. The first thing is, is what are those fears and values that you know I can overcome that are me, just me, that have nothing to do with anybody else, it's nobody's fault, and they're inside and within me. The first thing is, is, is determination. 
your ability to remain focused and determined about goals and goal set as well as achieving them is really important. Accountability, that's all on me, right? If I didn't do it, if I did it, I hit the snooze button or I said, let me wait till tomorrow. I'll start this tomorrow or I'll wait till next week or I'll wait till somebody calls me. That's accountability. You have yes. to be accountable to yourself before you can be accountable to others or have expect others to be accountable to you. It's and one thing to ask that. your kids that, to do I'm something. Sorry to interrupt you, you, but I think that's my favorite one because I think <laughs> sometimes we live in a society where, you know, it's very easy to put the blame on others for our mis mishaps or for our so-called failures. I don't really believe that there's, there are failures. We can all learn from failures and Correct. make them into something better for us. But it's very easy to sort of not examine ourselves and, you know, not be accountable for our mistakes and for our actions and just sort of find scapegoats. So I love that, that the accountability I think is so key for all of us. It is. And it's hard because it requires you to take a good, hard, honest look at yourself and what you're responsible for. I'm not saying everything is your fault, you know, but you've got to really be able to recognize where is the lesson you can learn from that. Another piece is, is a drive for results. You know, having a drive for results takes stamina, takes commitment. It takes courage because it's very easy to give up. It's easy to be distracted. Life happens. It's easy yeah. to get tired. I'm exhausted, you know, trying to keep things going because you got life, you got kids, you got work, you got everything. Everything. <laughs> um, so a drive is mental, physical, and it's a real, you, that drive has to be consistent in order to achieve. And how, then there's how, does Connie, how does Connie keep her drive? How do, how oh. do you keep your drive? Because I mean, you live such a, a busy life. You're bi-coastal. You have you have a daughter. You have a husband. I mean, yep. it's all encompassing. How how do you keep that drive? I think drive for me comes with focus and trying to stay very focused, very clearly. Also, being focused at the right on the right thing at the right time, which is very hard. It's very hard to be present as a mom, as a wife when there's stuff going on at work, when so, we are so connected, we have, I mean, we have unlimited 24 seven connections by phone, by video, by computer, by yeah. text. <laughs> it, it is. And it's very hard. It really is. But I think for me saying, um, completely focused on that is, is really important. And carving it out, making sure, giving yourself barriers to say, this is not a line I'm going to cross. This is time for family. This is time for me to stay um, engaged in one activity versus another is important. And then there are times when you just have to also not, I wouldn't say give up, but compromise and be fair about that with yourself and with your family or your friends, whoever you happen to be with. Yes, because when you say yes to something, you have to say no to the other thing, which is yeah, hard. Yeah. And I think a lot of us have a hard time saying no to things. And so we end up saying yes to so many things and then we can't fully engage with what we actually need to be doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that actually comes to with passion because your passion can, passion is so volatile. It's always at a high, but it also can drain you. Right. I think people can be so passionate that it's exhausting. So <laughs> you've yes. got to be able to kind of maintain that as um, something that's really important to keeping you self-motivated and also focused. And then there are things that are, I say, that are values that 
encompass you and the uh, other people. One okay. is collaboration and the other is agility. Collaborating is a necessity, even if you're your own business owner. That's you have to collaborate with uh, vendors, printers, computer tech people, customers, suppliers, um, you know, people you hire. So collaboration is, is very, very important to really overcoming challenges to your own success. And agility is one of my favorites. Agility really means that you've got to be adaptable. You have to learn from mistakes. You have to learn from things that didn't work and things that worked. Where's the lesson learned from what worked? How do you do more of what's working, do less of what's not working, or do improve what's not working? Sometimes you can't throw the baby with the bathwater out. It's really having the agility and the flexibility. And today, in a world where everything is so fast. Yes, everything changes quickly. You have to you adapt. Have to have, yeah, balance and being, a, being agile, but also not throwing it out prematurely as well. So learning judgment how to manage when it's time to give it up and start take your lessons learned and change it or when to continue to fine tune. At what point do you stop fiddling? Right? Mm -hmm. So learning those things take practice. They don't have, we weren't born with them. They don't, they don't happen innately. They do take practice. It also takes a commitment to keep doing it and not giving up on yourself and the opportunity to improve. And then finally, there's a third part of, you know, I believe in fearless living is all about things that involve you and the world. Respect and compassion are those two pieces of it. They sound like characteristics or personality descriptors of an individual, and they are, but I believe they are skills that can be developed. Absolutely. To take respect as a value and as a tactic to build relationships, to build better business practices is very, it's critical and can be extremely important when you're building a business or when you're building a career. Compassion too makes you a better leader, makes you a better boss, makes you a better business owner, makes you a better parent, makes you a better friend. Um, these have ramifications that go from inside internally to you personally, to how it manifests to the world outside and then in your professional development. It really has a very 360 impact in my belief of what this does. And they are all tools that you put in your toolbox to help you overcome fear. Wow. Moments in time when you're encountered with fearful situations, challenges, unexpected turns, right? Especially small business owners manage the unexpected, unpredictable turns of being your own business owner. Yes. If you master these, they become tools in your toolbox. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's interesting because the last two things that you mentioned, respect and compassion. You know, we all want to be respected and we all want people to be compassionate with us, but we can't receive those things unless we're also giving those things out towards the world. So if we want to be admired and respected, we got to be respectful towards others. And the same You're thing right. with compassion. It's one of these things that it... It's always a mirror, I say. Whatever we put out is what we actually end up receiving later on. That's exactly it. And they become, what, what's really interesting is people don't realize that they actually are skills you can improve, that you can be smart about, that you can work on. And they also should be looked upon. Sometimes people feel, when you talk about respect and compassion, that they're touchy-feely and they're not really practical skill sets. Mm -hmm. They actually are skill sets. 
not every, I, I'm sure you and I have met people who are not respectful. Absolutely. And sometimes it's not because they choose not to be respectful, can be. Sometimes I don't think they know how to. It is a skill that has to be learned. It, it has, has to be, be practiced and honed and improved upon. And then when you can kind of step over, not just being a respectful person, but using respect as a skill set to build on your personal goals or your personal dreams, professional or personal, that's mastering, right? That's mastering that particular value and that particular skill set to improve, whether it's a, you know, a business environment or your career or your family life. Because these can all be, they can cross borders between professional and personal. Yes. Life. I think that, you know, the great thing about books like yours is that they invite the reader to be introspective about their own lives. Because I think a lot of times we get complacent with just how we are, or we think, well, that's just, oh, um, that's what, that's just how I am. And we make excuses for our shortcomings rather than really taking a look within and trying to see what are, what are these things that we can improve upon, but really do an analysis. And that analysis, I, I always think it's the hardest thing to do because, you know, pointing fingers at somebody else is, mm -hmm. is easy, but really pointing the fingers at ourselves and really taking an inventory of who we are and the things that we can improve can be so difficult, but at the same time, it could be so life changing in such an, an, an amazing and amazing way. And, you know, the, the self-help books that I have read, Connie, they all have one thing in common and that's, that the person who writes it, you know, obviously at the moment that they write it, they seem to be, they have uh, all this knowledge that they've acquired, but all of these people have gone through a situation that is difficult that they had to overcome in order to get to what they're teaching us. So for yourself, what is something that can you share with us that you've been through like, or fear that you had to, a personal fear that you had to overcome that was really hard for you that you really had to, let's say, gather these values within yourself to be able to, um, I guess, yes, transgress and overcome. What is, share with us something that was- that you, you know, I, I think for me, fear is the very prevalent theme for me in my life. And I can tell you today still, I work, I couldn't tell you I knock it out of the ballpark every day on every one of these values. Some days are great on one, two, three, some days not so good on the other. And I think it's a, con that's the thing. I also feel that there is a magic in the constant pursuit to be better today than I was yesterday. Uh, and I'm a believer in that. I really do. I don't think it's possible, quite frankly, to have arrived and learn. It's a journey, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a journey. And life throws things at you that will require you to be agile at any time, at any moment, right? Whether it's health, it's business, it's wellness, it's family, it's all of those things. But for me, I think the, the biggest challenge for me that I've had to overcome is the fear of failure. Wow. And as an as a, a child of immigrant parents and an immigrant myself and coming from a very, very strict, high standard Chinese culture where everything's perfect, <laughs> <Yes, laughs> non-emotional. I'm so not non-emotional. <laughs> 
I am, I think, in a past life Latina for sure because there you I, go. Am, I am just passionate. Dominicana, right? No, exacto. No, o Puerto Riqueña, o Cubana, pero Cubana. con aspectos de pasión sí. y emoción que son tan fuertes, muy diferente de, de la, la cultura de la china. Asiática, yeah, sí. I mean, it's really, really different. So for me, it... Um, It was a fear of, of failure that really drove me. I would tell you my biggest fear has always been to disappoint. My biggest fear was always to not be good enough. My biggest fear was not to be smart enough. And, you know, a lot of it is bred through culture. And the Chinese culture is extremely, um, very, it's extremely high, high standards, high expectations, very reserved, non-emotional, <laughs> not very passionate, you know, not that we don't, aren't passionate about things, but we don't emote, right? And so it was fear of not living up to other people's expectations. If you drill it all down, wow. I was afraid of not being able to live up to my parents' expectations, my teachers' expectations, anybody. And I think the biggest thing to have to, had have to overcome for me as you grow older and wiser through experience and mistakes is that every survivor, every survival, having surviving each situation and challenge makes you stronger. So, you know, to me, I really do believe that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Trust me, the first time somebody said that to me and it was one of my old bosses, I think I rolled my eyeballs and said, oh, yeah. Easy. I know, I think we don't like that saying, but it's so true. Or It's so true. It doesn't kill you, makes you strong. Well, we have another saying in Spanish, which is, it says, lo que no, lo que no te mata, engorda. I see. Oh, well, okay. Which doesn't, hope not. <laughs> it's kind of like a funny saying, but what doesn't kill you, it does. It makes you stronger. It, it does. You let it, you know, because also, if you allow that to become your drama and your story forever, then it can actually disempower you. That's We exactly all true. Use our drama to actually make it a story of overcoming and to, you know, to make it that which you know changed our life for the better. That is true, and I will tell you the journey to overcoming fear is also a self-discovery. It's learning to love yourself for what you know, but also accept that you don't know everything, and yeah. then and then make a decision. I mean, you can wallow and cry, say it's all my fault. I never learned. Or you can make a decision to change that. And there are things you can change and there are things that you can. I will never, you know, I'm four foot eight and a quarter. Uh, <laughs> I won't ever be five feet, at least not that I can imagine so anytime soon. <laughs> You're a powerhouse, Connie. <laughs> but, you know, it's learning to accept the things you cannot change, but also get up off your butt And change the things that you're not happy about or you're not, you don't think are good enough. It's also not settling. I've had to learn to keep going, keep that drive to not settle for just enough. Don't settle for just enough. Settle, you, you shouldn't settle, period. You should be happy. That doesn't mean that you should live your life constantly in pursuit of something you can't achieve. But it also is, it's that right balance of where do you recognize you have room to continue to grow as a human being, as, Absolutely. A, as a sister, as a friend, as a colleague, as a boss, and yet at the same time, take a moment to take, to take stock of the skills you've gained and how you keep 
improving them because it isn't like you have to reinvent yourself all the time. But it that's a, that's something that's scary. Taking yeah. hard looks at ourselves, I think, is really absolutely our, we feel vulnerable about ourselves. And I think you nailed it because I think it's having gratitude for what we have, but keep going and make challenges for yourselves and, and yes, and keep growing and, and know where it is that you want to improve in your life. And, and because that's what makes life exciting when we challenge ourselves, when we set yep. goals for ourselves. So we can, yes, we can be grateful for all the things that we have, but you know, keep going and, and, and do something with our lives that I think at the end of the day, you know, we'll be proud of at least, you know, they say shoot for the stars and maybe and you'll land, land on the moon. moon. Yep. I will tell you one of the things I used to on the stars. I, yeah. <laughs> I used to be really afraid early in my career of not having all the answers, not being the smartest and not knowing everything. I really thought I was expected to know everything. I really thought that people would criticize and judge me if I wasn't the smartest and if I wasn't the best. That's hard. That's a hard standard to live it's a, by. It's a very hard standard. And then you live in fear because I, I did. There was a period of time when I think when I first started to do, there was a time in my life when I worked on international expansion. I spent many years opening up global markets. And this is me, myself, and I trying learning it as you go. I was hungry. I thought I was smart and I was a hard worker. And I still am. But when you don't know and you're sort of learning as you go, it's kind of scary. It's very scary. And when you don't also have somebody who's mentoring you, even worse yet, you're sort of just figuring it out. I think it works. I think it's not. And there was this fear of failure. It was a fear of letting everyone in the world down. And I think a lot of it is very cultural, too. We, we live in a culture where we, we hold expectations of ourselves of what we think others expect, right? Yes. Absolutely. We expect ourselves to behave the way you think your kids want you to expect to, to behave. Your husband, your partner, your mom, your parent. We do. Mm -hmm. And when we say we are afraid of failure, it is because we're afraid that we are failing their expectations. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. a hard, that's a it's very hard very standard hard. to live by. Yes. But it's interesting because you say this and at the same time, I keep thinking to myself, but that in a way has been the reason why you're so successful because like you said it's been your drive and it's been sort of like the thing that keeps your engine going and so you know it, it's interesting to ask ourselves like how can we use the stuff that we might consider negative in our lives right. to actually be used for something good because this thing which which yes it could be uh, very we can be very hard on ourselves when we have expectations from our parents and others that we feel like we can't meet but at the same time if we use that to to make you know ourselves even become better people then it actually if you analyze it at the end, it could have been something positive. That you it is absolutely positive. If you can take that and channel it into something that's going to be an improvement and empowering versus disempowering, that's the shift. So rather than being afraid um, and becoming disempowered, take that fear. I call it take that bull by the horns, look it in the face, even while you're shaking and you're probably crying because it's so scary. Oh, yes. It's that but moment. You take it and you say, here's what I'm going to do with it. Yes. Here's how I'm going to overcome this. Here's what I can do. You know, focusing on what you have the power to do, what you know, 
And then what you need to know, that's the other thing. You don't know everything. Nobody knows everything. But if you can figure out what you don't know and make a decision to say, I'm going to go figure it out, or I'm going to get help. I'm going to get somebody to help me figure it out. That's the other thing too, is, is knowing when to ask for help and knowing yes. when to take help. Vital. Women Vital. especially have a hard time receiving help. No, because I'm fine. I'm we fine. should be I'm able fine. to do everything. I'm fine. No, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Isn't that the first thing that comes out of our mouth? Do you need any help? No, I'm fine. Can I help? And no. Then we find ourselves overwhelmed. Exactly. So take a moment and stop. It's sort of like that little three-second rule. You stop for three seconds and you really think about what's going to help me. And it is an accepting help or asking for help. We have to get in our heads that it is not disempowering. It is about looking for empowerment. And if you see it that way, then you won't see it as a weakness. I think that's also a fear that many people have is that the appearance of weakness prevents us in and of itself from empowering our, ourselves to be better. Yeah, and, and when actuality, yeah, our vulnerabilities can actually be very empowering, you know, as long as we use it for an, as, an, as an inspiration or a, in a way where we use it in a positive way. Correct. You convert that into something that will prove to be more productive and something that you can utilize to give you the, you know, it, I would say enforce you to go and seek out the skills that you don't have or to put some more discipline because it takes discipline, you know, being, being skilled at applying agility. So in my book, I talk about agility, you know, agility is one of those examples where agility takes practice. It's like exercise. You know, you, you got to stretch those muscles. You got to pull up that leg beyond, <laughs> beyond what you're normally comfortable with. And it becomes more pliable over time. These same skills and these same values that I talk about in my book require practice. Yes. Get really limber at it. And even when we don't have those skills, as long as we go practice them little by little, like let's say we have a hard time with discipline or, or one of these values that you discuss, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the way we're going to be forever. It Correct. Just, maybe that's where our focus needs to go more towards. That's exactly it. And very naturally, where whatever point in time you are in your life, personally and professionally, in the eight values that are listed, there are going to be some that are more important today than they are tomorrow. And then a year from now, there are going to be some things that happened in your personal or professional life that require you to go back into another set of values that are important for you. You know, the values have been put together in this book in eight chapters. They are almost, they could be snapshots in time for your life and career. They can be taken one at a time or all at once. And I designed them in a way too, where every chapter allows you some introspection. You had, you had actually sent me a comment that said, is it actually is a self introspective exercise? It is. It's all about giving you the power and giving you control and you taking it and doing some self assessment of how can I be better? You know, nobody else, just you, just you yourself and how you, what you do with these eight values impacts you yourself you and the world, and you and other people around you. Because it is broken up, the book's broken up into three parts. One is me. What are the values that most impact me personally? What are the values that have an impact on me and those around me, others? And then what are the values like respect and compassion that have implications that go beyond my circle? It's me and the world. Because we do matter. Yes. And what we give out there 
in many ways is what we get back. Oh, it always is. It's always right? a mere reflection of what we give is what we, you know, receive and later on. And also, um, you know, what we feed ourselves on a daily basis. And I'm not talking about, I'm t well, food also, <laughs> a little bit later, but also the information that, you know, the thing, the people that we decide to hang around with, our environment is so important. What That's we right. decide to listen to, uh, what we decide to read, it's, it's so key. What you feed yourself with from an intellectual standpoint, from a motivational standpoint, um, as well as from an a intellectual standpoint and physically, really yes. matters right because I, I i've heard this said to me before where it's garbage in and garbage out you've got positivity coming in positivity comes out to you comes out of you to others as well you give it back and you have it to give you know we've heard people especially women talk about i don't have any more to give that's because they're not being fed yes yes it's what they're loving how do you feed fed. others uh, yeah right? it's like you need to take care of yourself in order to also give back that's exactly it. So what you get put in is what you can put out. And honestly, what you can put out is even so much more than what you can put, what you put in there. It, it has a duplicative, um, uh, you know, result. Like a what, multiplier effect. Absolutely. It does. It multiplies because it lives on from you onto the next because you, you pay it forward, right? Paying forward. That's really what it means is you, pay it forward and it maximizes. It can grow and multiply over time. It's that whole concept of viral. Yeah, yes, whether it's disease or a video. <laughs> There's that's what viral means. It just multiplies. It multiplies. One. Right? Yes. And, and what we focus on expands. That's exactly it. Connie, um, let's talk about a little bit about leadership because yeah. I know that a lot of women admire you because you're a CEO. And like I mentioned in the very beginning, there's only a 6% ratio of female CEOs out there. What's your best advice for a female leader? So as the first, gonna eat the first female CEO of a company that's 55 years oh. old, believe it or not, and it's called Princess House. <laughs> Which is so Go interesting. Figure. Go figure. Um, I would say the best advice I would have for female leaders is to have faith in what you have to offer, meaning don't try so hard to not be what you are authentically. Don't try so hard to not be emotional. Don't try so hard to break through what people's perceptions of you are and set your own expectations of yourself accordingly. I think for, for women especially, the biggest challenge we have is we try so hard to live up to everyone else's expectations of how we should be as CEOs, as mothers, as sisters, as friends, that we don't actually take stock of what are our own expectations and goals. Set those very straight um, for yourself first and keep your eye very clearly focused on that. And the rest will follow because otherwise you're actually, what will happen is there's inconsistencies in how you behave, how you lead, how you manage, which therefore make you ineffective. I mean, it's all as a result of that. Start with, so really key thing is number one, understand your own expectations and set them, I would say, ambitious, but realistic. Nobody wants to glide in. You know, it doesn't feel so good when it was just a cakewalk in there, but also be realistic about it. Two, make sure you understand how they fit in your role 
as a leader, whether it's a CEO or a president or a head of an organization. And also be authentic to yourself about it. Don't try so hard to not be something that you're not no longer real. I think we try really, I think women especially, especially in industries where there haven't been many women, right? Women try to be less emotional because they think there's a critique. Yes, and it's a man's world, so we have to act like them. Or We got to be tough. We got to be brutal. We got to yes. be vulgar. <laughs> you yes. know, I think I've met women who become potty mouth, honestly, because they think that's what's expected. But if that's not who you are, uh, let's hope it isn't, <laughs> that yes. you shouldn't be trying to be that. That in and of itself breaks down in your credibility, frankly. It's not who you are. Be who you are and manage it. If you feel that you have weaknesses and you've identified that, then work on those. But being authentic to who you are is really important because that's going to provide consistency. It's very hard to be consistent when it's not who you are, right? Sort yes. of like, how long can you pretend before that you'll catch yourself? somebody else? You catch yourself forgetting to pretend, right? Exactly. And so you can't do that because it's not sustainable. And it actually does not provide with long-term results. They're very temporary and, quite frankly, precarious. They, they're not on solid base or foundation. Yes. Aligning ourselves with our authentic, authenticity, I think you, 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 um, you really got it when you said we first have to see what are our expectations of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because, like you said, a lot of times we are basing our actions according to what we think others are expecting us to do rather than looking within ourselves and saying, well, what, it, you know, what is the life I really want to live and examining right. that. And a lot of times people don't even examine those things at all. They just live their lives according to other people's expectations without really um, honing in on, on like, what are your personal goals for yourself? Like what would make you proud of you rather than somebody else proud of you? or you think, because a lot of times we assume that when we do a certain thing, we're gonna make that person feel proud of us, but in reality, it's just an assumption. The only thing that will really make us feel good with ourselves is to really um, look at the things that we expect of ourselves, because Correct. that's how we align to being our true selves. That's exactly it, because what'll happen is, is if you live to achieve other people's goals, now, I understand we all have, as professionals or as entrepreneurs and business owners, you have business goals. You have goals that your investors might have for you. You have goals where your shareholders might have for you. And yes, you have to achieve those from a professional standpoint. But they have to align some way or another with your own personal professional goals as well as your um, personal goals. So they have to be in alignment. Because if you can't, then they're constantly fighting and competing. And it's, you know, it's a futile exercise if you can't get those into alignment and very clearly defined in your head. Sometimes our mind plays tricks on us that cause us to be very unproductive. You waste a lot of time in your own head. Women are really good at that. Yeah, we, <laughs> we paralyze ourselves. We do. And then it manifests itself into fear. Real or not, fear is paralyzing. Fear is one of those things that even as an emotion, something that you can't touch or grab or feel, that causes such physical change. It's incredible. It really is an incredible emotion is that it can actually physically paralyze somebody, right? It can physically cause biochemical reactions. People start sweating, 
shaking. That's pretty powerful for something you can't see, touch, smell. Incredible. And incredible. It is really incredible. So, you know, which is why fear to me is such a powerful tool to be able to manage, to overcome. I'm in no way am I professing that we could live without fears. I think fears come and go. And then there are phobias, right? People who have a fear of snake or public speaking. Those are some true physical changing fears that we have. But there are ways to manage. There are ways to learn to overcome or to overcome situations where you're faced with that. So I'm not saying that you're going to get rid of all the fear in your life. I don't really necessarily think that's possible. But yeah, I, I think we just have to like fight through it and just yeah, kind of, you know. Exactly. But I absolutely believe that there are ways to live a life uh, not in fear. Yeah, and more empowering because we have the tools, you know, to help us when that's we right. feel stuck or when we feel paralyzed, as you said. That's say. exactly it. Connie, we're kind of running out of time. Unfortunately, I wish I could have you here for a, even longer because you're such an interesting and just like dynamic woman. You know, we could touch on so many things. I do have five questions that I do want to yep. ask. I ask all my other podcasters, guests yep. to come in. Um, the first one is, what advice would you give your younger self? Ah, and I'm going to swap you over because I've got to plug in. Uh, <laughs> advice I would give to my younger self is... what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I love it. Because I've been through some trying times as a young professional working in global markets and different arenas. And it's been, it's very easy to be very hard on yourself to suddenly feel like it's the end of the world. So take every, every painful experience as an experience to learn and to grow. Love it. Okay. Number two, is there a personal mantra, quote, or prayer that you keep close to your heart? To understand that very often for you, yourself, as well as others around you, that not until the fear of change is less than the pain of change, will you change? Sometimes we're so afraid of change. Not until Mm -hmm. the fear of change is less than the pain of change, will you change? Yes. And it's because sometimes we're afraid of changing, we don't change, but, and we don't change until it gets so painful that not changing is not an option anymore. So I, I do believe that we, we may be very unhappy in certain life situations or we hate jobs that we're, we're doing, but it's not until it's so painful that you have no choice but to change do many people often make that change. So the lesson there is, is you don't have to wait until that point. Don't be afraid of change. Just make it happen if we know that we need to make a change in our lives. That's very true. Yeah. Um, any dream or burning desire that you have yet to fulfill? Oh, dream or burning desire. I think one day when I'm hopefully can still do it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you wrote a book, you're CEO. It's like... I wrote a book, I'm a CEO. I think one day I'm going to probably in my little office and my Mac and a microphone, I will do a, I'm going to, I'm going to record my own little album and distribute it to my family and friends. And that'll be something they play when I, at my memorial service. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're a singer? You're a singer? Oh my God. (laughs) That's another interview we got to (laughs) do. That's that's awesome. I love it. Yes. 
So, yep, There's that'll be, I think that's one thing I want to do. I, I do want to do, I have, you know, I've got recordings, I've got performances, all kinds of things, but I think I want to do one that is a very long time ago. Actually, I have a cassette tape okay. that actually says dedicated to the ones I love. And it was back in the day when you had a karaoke machine. So I recorded a couple of songs on it. It's my own little tape. I've never given it to anybody. It's just something I have. I said, one day I'll do a nice one. What kind and, of music? What kind of music? But you know, it's so funny. I have sung at the Condado Plaza in San Juan, Puerto Rico. I have sung in Hong Kong. I've sung at Atlantic City. Um, it's it's mostly it's it's contemporary music. I've sung in Chinese. I've sung in Spanish. Um, but I'm a real top forty power ballad kind of gal. Whitney Houston, Celine Dion. Oh yeah. I love all kinds of music from ABBA to Whitney to Beyonce to... We gotta do karaoke sometime when you come yeah. to Miami. Luis Miguel. I mean, you know, it's just, they kind of range all over. And then to my Chinese uh, canto pop music. That's awesome. Um, and the last one is, what is the footprint that you wish to leave in this world? Or like your legacy? Like I would say two things. One is I hope that I am able to successfully demonstrate and instill in my daughter that, and I wrote this in my dedication for her in the book, is that she can see that I'm possible in things and situations that might seem impossible. And that's one on a very personal level. I, and two, I hope that every single person in this world that I have touched somehow, some way, whether it was talking to them from stage or working with them one-on-one, -on -one, saw and realized the potential that I saw in them before they saw it. Wow, that's beautiful. And you know, you are, I, you know, I haven't met you in person. We're doing this uh, through <laughs> online. It's incredible how now we can connect to people on the other side of the yep. world or the country. But I have to say that your, your energy that, that, that comes across, you know, um, that you radiate is, is so positive, Connie. Oh, really thank you, Valentina. You do too. I love your spirit. I love the progressive kind of this desire to be better and bigger than you are. I love that presence that you have. And I'm so happy we had this chance to meet. Yes. And for sure, may, we should have many more conversations and we can talk about all the other things. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and just, you know, before we, we, uh, we close this, can you tell people where they can buy your book? Absolutely. They can go to fearlessliving.com. They can find it on Amazon. Um, so those are your two easiest places to, to go and get it. And I will tell you that if you sign up also for our newsletter, you will get a free Fearless Living bracelet uh, when Ooh. you sign up for it. So yes, I hope yes. they join the movement, even if they sign up to just be part of the conversation. I think when people get together and they share their, and they're open and they share uh, um, fears and they share successes and they share stories, we're all more powerful and more stronger for that when we work together that way and we Absolutely. lift each other up. Absolutely. And where can our listeners follow you on your social media? They can follow me on uh, LinkedIn. They can follow me on Facebook. It's at Connie Tang CEO. That's the same handle for Twitter. That's the same one for Instagram. That's the same one for all the social media outlets. So That's easy to good. find me. Muchísimas gracias, Connie, for being oh, on our Gracias, Valentina. Un placer. Hey, it's Valentina. Espero les gustó este episodio de nuestro podcast. If you liked it or if any of our content has inspired you in any way, 
I'd be ever so grateful if you showed me some amorcito by reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. Every single review will help us reach more mamacitas so they can live their life con muchas ganas. Gracias a oyentes como tú, podemos seguir creando contenido para otras latinas. Un millón de gracias por suscribirte, escuchar y compartir con tanto amor. Si tienen preguntas o comentarios, pueden visitar nuestra página web mamasconganas.com o seguirnos en las redes sociales arroba mamasconganas. Hasta la próxima, es Valentina recordándoles, don't be a mama con drama, mm -mm. let's be mamas con ganas. Besitos.